Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah chapter 43. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is the word of the Lord. How are you? It's a question we often ask each other, right? And, and, and sometimes it's just a throwaway thing, right? It's just what we say when we say, hello, how are you? And your response probably will be dictated by, do you believe this person really wants to know how I am? Do you really want me to tell you? Very often, right, if it is just one of those throwaway things, what do we say? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm all right. Or maybe you get a little more creative or a little more pessimistic and say, I'm vertical. I'm here. I'm breathing. But what if someone really means it? What if they really want to know how you are? And it's someone who is genuinely asking you and wants to know how things are going. How often, too, don't we just kind of give those throwaway answers? Because it might reveal something about us. We might not be able to put on that facade anymore. People might find out who the real me is, if we're honest. And so we say, I'm good. I'm all right. Things are fine. Moving along. But the fact is, how are you really? How are things going? I'll tell you, as I talk with people, members and non-members, as I, as I have calls for counseling, people just stopping by to talk, you know what I sense and feel more than anything out there? And maybe you can uh, understand. I just feel tired. Just tired. And I'm not talking about a, a physical tiredness. Maybe that's your problem too. And if that's the case, you're trying to go on too little sleep, too little rest. You're trying to do too much. Okay. But I'm talking more about this tiredness of, of just this life wearing us down. I, just being tired of, of this world. <laughs> And all the effects of sin upon this world and all the tragedies that we see and we experience. Tired of, of all of these things that go on in our life. 
right? The, the health issues that I got to deal with every single day. I wake up and there they are again, and they're not getting any better. Tired of, of the financial struggles, not knowing where next month's rent is going to come from. Tired of the job search. Tired about worrying about the future. Tired of people hurting me, letting me down, and betraying me. Tired of my own sins. Those those sins that that I don't want to do, those sins I know I shouldn't do, those sins that I know God doesn't want me to do, but there they are. The lies that so easily slip out of my mouth. The, the, the blaming other people for my problems. The, the, the laziness when I know what I should be doing and I just choose to do other things instead. The wrong priorities that just have my life all out of whack. The love that I know I should show to others, but it's just not there so often. These sins that continue to plague me and that, that I, they just wear me down. And, and where am I left? Just always feeling like I'm picking up the broken pieces and just trying to move on another day. Just tired. I'm tired of it all. Is that how you are? If you are, it's okay. It's okay to feel tired. It's okay to recognize that you're tired and honestly admit it that you are tired. Tired of all of this garbage in this world and in your life and in your heart. But then, to look to your God and see that he doesn't want you to just go through this life muddling through, tired and exhausted And just feeling like you're always just picking up the broken pieces. God does not want that for your life, nor does it have to be that way. God didn't want that for his Old Testament people either. Here in our lesson from Isaiah, God is coming to his people. And they are weighed down by their sins. And they know the effect of their sins, and they hear the punishment that is coming because of them if they don't repent. They have been so blessed. Their forefathers were brought out of slavery through the desert into the promised land. God did this all by his power and his mercy just because he loved them. But these people chose to obey other gods. These people, these chosen people of God decided that they were going to try to find their happiness and their contentment in anything else but the true God. And God sent prophet after prophet that's what Jesus was talking about in our gospel lesson, sending those, those messengers, those servants, and they just rejected them. And so God says through Isaiah and through other prophets, punishment is going to come. And it did. For these believers, these, these people here that Isaiah is speaking to, Babylon came and defeated them, took them off into captivity, laid everything in ruins. But yet God did not forget his people. 
That's the amazing thing about our God, is, is that we sin and we bring all of these struggles and, and tiredness and weariness upon ourselves by, by our sins. But yet God still says, I'm faithful to my promises. God still says, I love you. God still says, you are my chosen and I will not abandon you. He says to his Old Testament people here, he says, remember the faithfulness. Remember, remember how I rescued your ancestors? Remember how they came out of Egypt? And there in front of them was the Red Sea. And they turn around at the noise behind them, and, and Pharaoh's army is charging at them. And the situation seems absolutely hopeless and dire. But what did God do? You know what he did. He made a way. He made a way through that sea, and your forefathers walked through on dry ground. But not just that. As you passed through on, uh, on dry ground and you got to the other side, you look back and what, what, did, what did they see? Those waters came back and drowned Pharaoh and his army. And there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says, you remember all that? Now forget about it. He says... Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Oh, wait a minute, God. God, you're always pointing us back. You're always telling us to remember the past. You're, 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 isn't that your assurance that you're going to be with your people in the future as you have in the past? Why should we forget the past? He goes on, he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new I'm doing a new thing. As great as the past was for your ancestors, as amazing as I saved them from slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh and through that Red Sea and through the desert, as amazing, as wonderful and awesome as that was, you can forget about all that, about all that because I'm doing something new. Because much greater than drowning Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. God would send one who would drown your sins. God would send one who himself would be snuffed out like a wick. Who would be extinguished. Whose life would be taken from him Not for anything he had done. But for everything we have done. And everything we have left undone. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. He points forward 700 years. And says, there is going to be one who comes who passes through the waters of death for you. And he allows those waters to sweep him away. So that you can be saved so that you can have life. So that you can know how great my mercy really is. So that you can forget the former things. 
to know that your sins have been taken away, washed away, drowned in the bottom of the sea of God's love for you. There at that cross, as we see that that wrath of God sweeping Jesus away in death, there we see the amazing love of our God. As Jesus was punished for us. See, I'm doing a new thing, he says. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Look. Look to the one who has taken your punishment. And now, now, through that one who has taken it from you, that that you look back, you look back and see those sins are taken away. Not to be remembered anymore, that that guilt and that shame and that regret, those are all there at the cross too. You don't have to carry those around with you anymore. Stop carrying that burden around now. Now in addition to that, what does he do? He gives you strength for your journey. He comes to you through this wasteland of this world, through this desert of a life. That, that wears us down, that makes us weary and burdened and tired and says, I give you strength for the journey. Christ is crucified for you. Christ is risen for you. Now, see your tiredness. See your weariness. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And that's exactly what he longs to do, friends. That's why you don't have to go through this life just feeling tired all the time. Because Jesus says, come and I will give you rest. Listen to the description of how Isaiah is led by the Spirit to do this poetically. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. He says, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself. Friends, you are chosen by God. You are his people. He claimed you as his own. And he says, I'm here to give you strength for the journey through this wasteland and this wilderness. He takes you to the water takes you to the waters of your baptism. And there he says, look again. Where I claimed you to be my very own. Where I made you a member of my family. Where I promised you that every sin is drowned. Where I promise you that heaven is yours. That that promised land of heaven is waiting for you. Go to those waters and be refreshed. Go to those waters and be restored. Because that baptism is not what, what, just what God did for you one day. It's what he does for you every day. Drowns your sins and raises you to be something new in Christ Jesus. As we walk through this wasteland in this wilderness, he says, come. Jesus himself says, come to the waters. He says, I'm the living water. He says, come to me. And find what your thirsty soul is longing for. The only thing that can truly satisfy you. Not not fame or fortune, achievements or any earthly happiness, but in Christ alone. That living water that refreshes and restores 
our hearts and our souls and our minds with the peace of his forgiveness and the promise of our eternal life and the hope and the joy that he is with us right now as we go through this. He says, come. Come, you who are tired. You who are weary and burdened, come to my table and here drink and eat. Come here and refine the refreshment that you need. Right here, leave your guilt. Leave your regrets. Leave it all here at the altar and receive my body and blood for the assurance of the forgiveness of your sins, for the promise of your eternal life, for the strength to go and live a new and holy life with Christ living in you and through you. Friends, you are not alone. You don't go through this wasteland and this wilderness just having to be tired and wore down all the time. No, Jesus has come to me. I provide what you need and what you need the most. Here in my word, in my sacraments, here in the gospel is your soul refreshed. Remember who you are. I will not abandon you. You are my chosen people. You belong to me. Your sins, they are many. But he says, my mercy is more. Come. Come and receive strength for the journey. And this life is a journey, isn't it? And every, every one of our journeys through this life is different. Some roads might feel a little harder than others. Different hills and valleys, different lengths that the journey is. But we have the same source of strength. The gospel promises of our great and gracious God. We have the same Savior who lived and died and rose and ascended and intercedes for us. We all have the same word and sacrament that we come to for refreshment and restoration and peace and life and forgiveness and salvation. We have strength for the journey, dear friends. Don't neglect it. Don't just go through life spiritually, wore down and tired. It's right here. As we gather here, as you open up this word in your homes, as you read your Bible, as you do devotions with your family, it's there. There God brings that satisfaction. There he provides water and drink and streams for your soul. Did you see what the purpose of all this is? It says right at the end, I do all of this for my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God wants you to proclaim his praise. And that's what you get to do in this world. You get to go and proclaim. You know what you can proclaim to sin? You don't owe me anymore. You have no power over me anymore. Jesus died for all of my sins. You, you know what you can proclaim to Satan? I'm not in your grasp anymore. You don't own me either. Jesus has defeated you for me. You know what you can say to death? Even you have no power over me. The, the sting of death, where is it? It's gone. 
Because Christ Jesus died, but then was raised to prove to us that death is not the end, but the beginning. The beginning of real life. You can proclaim to the world a Savior. You can proclaim this one that every heart and soul is longing for, really. They just don't know it. They don't know what they're missing. We get to proclaim the living water. We get to proclaim the gospel, the good news of a Savior for all people that tired and weary and wore down souls are searching for in so many of the wrong places. And friends, we have a beautiful time to do that coming up here. Don't you know that? Is there a more wonderful time of year to proclaim a Savior than Holy Week that begins next week? As we get to see Jesus triumphantly riding into Jerusalem to go to that cross on Palm Sunday. A Good Friday where we see him suffering for the sins of the entire world. On Easter Sunday where we are in just two weeks we are going to gather here and sing Alleluia again. And see the victory that we have been given through his life. And that he longs for all people to have. My friends, there's no better time for us to go and proclaim his praise to the world as we hold out these works of our Savior for all people. Friends, God does all of this so that we can proclaim to sin and death and Satan no power over me. We can proclaim to the world how great our God is and what a Savior they have. And one day we're going to get to proclaim his praise in his presence. You have strength for the journey as you continue to struggle with sin. You have strength for the journey as you proclaim his praise to the world. You have strength for the journey, the journey to heaven. To attain that prize, as Paul said. That prize that's waiting for us. A reason we're called heavenward in Christ Jesus. To reach that goal. And by God's grace, you will reach it because he gives you his strength, his power, his peace, his purpose. God grant you that on your journey to heaven. Amen.